Hello, everybody, and welcome to North 100 Canadian Highlander Podcast. I'm Serge. I'm joined by a Jer. Hello. An Alex. It's free real estate. And a Ben. I breathe in toxins every day. You should get that checked. Reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you with your support over at the Patreon, over at patreon.com slash loading ready run. And also a change. Uh, welcome to those of you watching over at the LRRMTG YouTube channel. If you're listening via podcast, um, surprise, we have a new YouTube channel. It's where all of our magic content is going to go. Check it out. Uh, and if you found yourself here by mistake, maybe follow the channel. There's going to be a lot of really good magic content here, including the future home of North 100. And fret not if you're looking for past episodes. Uh, Heather, who is very good at YouTube stuff, will make some type of playlist thingy so you can find everything. Also, please like, share, and subscribe. What Beach said. <laughs> Slap that subscribe button. So let's talk about the best card that you're not playing up today is me. And I want to talk about a special card from the workshop weenie archetype. A <laughs> uh, little something called the Thopter Engineer. Three mana, one three, a uh, human artificer for two and a red. When it enters the battlefield, put a one one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. And <coughs> probably the most important line of text on this card, artifact creatures you control have haste. It is amazing how fast, uh, uh, like, the difference that this card being in play changes the game. Your opponent will be like, all right, 1-3, you get a 1-1-K, whatever, and then all of your threats are suddenly very zoomy. Um, the one downside about this card, Workshop Weenie, is you can't cast it off of Workshop, but some cards have to play a supporting role, and nothing makes a Hovermere more threatening than it coming down with haste. So it's <laughs> not remotely true. You know what this card is hot in? Go on. The red-black uh, artifact reanimator deck I've been sort of poking Ooh. away at. It's... The magical Christmas land of Blightsteel. Pretty <laughs> dumb. Well, because not only does it give all your threats haste, it also comes with a, an extra body that you yeah. could sack to, I don't know, Goblin Welder, Recurring Nightmare, okay, stuff that, like that. That's pretty hot. Victimize. Mm. <laughs> even, even though you can't cast this off Mishra's Workshop, it still has ancient tomb mana. <laughs> And sometimes having ancient tomb mana is more important than workshop mana. Yeah. So one of the things I struggle with in these workshop decks are what cards do you put in that play those role players that you don't get on your on your god starts off your workshop hands but are really important. And I think this humble little uncommon from, is that Kaladesh or Aether Origins. Revolt? Origins. 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 It's not even from Kaladesh. This card's so hot. Uh, technically, the, the character depicted takes place on Kaladesh. Yeah, that's why I was searching for the card and I couldn't find it. I don't know. This card is rad, and think about it in all of your artifact mm -hmm. strategies. So let's talk about today's theme. Today we are talking uh, about points, sort of a high-level discussion. And it's worth mentioning, if we're going to talk about points, the points list has changed recently. Uh, Jer and or Wheeler, y'all want to take it away? Rather drastically. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll do two, and Ben can do two. Sure. Uh, I'll take Demonic Tutor and Mana Crypt. Uh-huh. Uh, split them up nice and logical. Hmm. Um, Demonic Tutor went up from three to four. Uh, it's a very good card, and it was getting played probably a little too much. Uh, and just almost every combo deck was a Demonic Tutor, often plus Lotus, but every combo deck, you basically just started with Demonic Tutor. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
You know what's a drag about the perfectly reasonable pointing of this card? Is that uh, it has to get pointed because it gets played so much in combo, and then you will never have fair tutor. Well, we'll talk yeah, about that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. That's I was actually <clears throat> literally just about to get to that. And oh. fair tutor, although it was a good tool for the decks to use, it didn't actually make like play patterns more interesting. It didn't make games more interesting. Hmm. It often just led to the fair decks getting like whatever card they needed to just absolutely lock out the game and make it an uninteractive game. Uh, so in, yeah. instead of demonic tutor, the fair decks are playing more value-oriented cards as opposed to just like playing a tutor to get a haymaker that just ends the game on the spot. Hmm. And Mana Crypt, uh, I'm sure Ben will pile onto this uh, with one of the other cards we're talking about, but the fast mana was too good for quite a while. Uh, the he, he did the ancient tomb mana, <laughs> but that can also be Mana Crypt mana. Yeah. And uh, it, it the whole medium deck series uh, yeah. Medium that. was a little bit too not medium, maybe a little too spicy. Yeah, we to like tone it, it down a bit. We medium like it well. Me, medium in, in name and in quality, and it was a little a little too close to good. So, so to recap, uh, Demonic Tutor from three to four, and Mana Crypt went from three to three to four. From three to four as well. All right. What are the other points changes? And the other points changes are Soul Ring going yep. from three to four, which yep. <laughs> uh, again is a card that has a couple of rules. I mean, pound for pound, it's one of the most powerful cards that you can play in the game of magic. Yeah. I mean, um, in, in powered cube, lots of like experienced cube players advocate for taking Soul Ring over Black Lotus and Ancestral Recall. Like consider how they fixed that card in the form of Warren Power Stone. Still good. Yeah. yeah. But does it enter tapped? Power Stone does. Yeah, Warren yeah. Power Stone, two more mana enters tapped. Same still effect. Still, still playable. Good. Yeah. It's just the, the decks that get to benefit from the Soul Ring, it, it again doesn't lead to the best play patterns, or at least the play patterns that really get people uh, playing magic um, in the sense that either they are so overwhelmingly powerful from the the medium decks just pooping out dragons and Eldrazi and Hydras and whatnot way ahead of the curve. Uh, other decks throwing down planeswalkers and whatever it may be, um, game-ending threats. It basically just speeds up the game to a level that is it doesn't lead to much magic. Hmm. Um, and then another card that is on the points list. This is a new addition uh, to the points list that we haven't done since Spellseeker, which is like a year ago. Uh, and it's Crop Rotation. So Crop Rotation went from zero to one point. Um, it's an instant speed flexible tutor at one mana that is able to pack either a variety of things at either can find a way of locking your opponent out of the game immediately, or not immediately, over the course of the next couple turns, uh, through Strip and Wasteland and other land shenanigans like that. Uh, it either it can set up disgustingly fast bursts of mana through Tolarian Academy and Gaius Cradle, uh, presents an indestructible flying 2020 demon merit Man, Everything mod. you're saying sounds so good. Um, yeah. I don't believe she's a demon. I believe she's a horror I subtype. To, I swear to God. And, Avatar. And then, the, the, then you come to the other things where it's just like, oh, and then you can also just find whatever utility land you need at any given time uh, at a very low cost. Um, 
this card I feel has like been a, a bit of a long time coming. It's just so powerful, so flexible, and um, I have been loving it at one point. It, mm -hmm. it was a card that I was like, okay, well, I'm probably cutting. I'll, I'll cut it from this deck, this deck, this deck, uh, and keep it in these. And then I was like, no, I'm just keeping it. <laughs> I'm just keeping it this in all these different decks. Only destined to get better as time goes on, as it like gains access to better lands, right? Yeah, it's this. you'll find a lot of those cards from like Urza's block especially, where they have these kind of niche effects, or at the time seem niche, like Goblin Matron. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what other goblins could we possibly find? And it's, oh right, 20 years down the line, they printed more goblins. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's just a, a card that fits into so many different decks and reduces again the amount of magic people actually end up playing. So let's talk about our theme for today. We're going to be talking about points, but we want to focus on a very specific part of deck building, which is what pointed cards do you put in your deck? And we want to talk about points pillars. We want to talk about these expensive cards that may or may not have a home in your deck and when and why. And for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to be excluding build around cards. So for example, Academy. What deck does Telerian Academy go into? Well, the Academy deck. <laughs> what deck plays Protein Hulk? Hulk decks. Protein. So, Which Hulk? Pro pro protein? Protein. D don't, uh, whatever, <laughs> the Hulk. Sorry. So we'll, it's you know. Hulk. Uh, those ones are a little bit more straightforward, but in these cases, if you have a powerful card, when do you play it, when do you not play it? And let's start off with something near and dear to Jer's heart, and maybe some of ours. Let's talk about blue decks. So when we're talking about blue, we're talking about some of the most powerful cards and pointed cards that we have in the format, cards like Ancestral Recall and Time Walk. Now, Recall is seven points. That's seven out of 10 of the points available mm -hmm. in your list. Time Walk is six. Both are really good. What makes a Recall deck? What makes a Time Walk deck? Why would you play one or the other? Or maybe go for a, a flatter point spread? The room. Uh, you set up Jaren and then looked at me. So. Oh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> Sorry, I mean, uh, I yeah. have. Yeah, so, so re Recall is more, we, we've talked about this a million times, but re Recall is, has a low, lower ceiling, higher floor. It's better. It's like less variable. It's it's always very good to cast. Uh, it's often going to win you the game. Whereas time walk, there are times where it literally just wins you the game on the spot, and not not many other cards would. What about the old uh, it has time walk to explore? <laughs> you just like two mana, play it, a land past yourself. It has combo aspects. However, the floor on time walk is is much lower. It, like mm -hmm. there are times when time walk is certainly not winning you the game. And for a six-point card, it's just it's just very swingy. So you need to keep keep in mind deck building more when when playing time walk, and you often see time walk in less blue decks uh, because time walk is good with having a board presence. And blue decks, like very blue decks, can like counter all your things. Yeah, eventually like play a thing. Typically, don't have very many things on the board. Not to say time walk wouldn't be good in that deck. It's just they choose to. Yeah. Not to be too elsewhere. on the nose, but the timing of time walk, I, su I suppose, is a little bit more important than um, ancestral. Yeah, and there's there's almost a third pillar in blue decks, which is you alluded to it before, which is the flatter point spread, where yeah. you just play like blue more than any other color gets to do this because blue cards are better than all the other colors cards. Uh, so so here's a high level question: 
which is uh, if I own an ancestral recall, should I put it in every blue deck? No. No. That was a slower no from Wheeler. Hmm? No, it's, <laughs> it, it, I, I mean. It was just the, the no of he's answered this. Yeah, it's just like any time that someone, any time that you default to a specific color spread or color combination, always playing a set of points, you're kind of doing yourself and the capabilities of the format a disservice because there are plenty of decks that when you, I mean, it's there. Are, there are certainly decks where, like, you are a recall deck. The way that your deck is going to function is by trading one for one with very efficient spells. Hopefully, you're going to beat out on like mana costs by these these trades, and then you're going to recoup by recalling once, twice, three times a card draw. It's always the third one. It's always um, the third recall that you can't come back from, right? Yeah, the second one, you're probably dead, but the third one is just like, what's going like, on? It's not like, the let's, first let's, recall let's that talk gets about you. It. It's three not the recalls second recall. or two planeswalkers. It's the third recall. Actually, no, three, three planeswalkers. I've definitely, I've definitely been sitting across from somebody who's like, recall myself, regrowth recall, recall, Jacefrin's Prodigy, flip Jacefrin's Prodigy, recall. And you're like, oh my God, but if, treasure uh, cruise. But I, <laughs> I, I think that if you sleeve up recall and you're assuming, it is just generally, uh, it fits, like no deck is worse if you're just casting recall, right? <laughs> like, um, but... If you just slide it in and say like, "Oh, I'm a blue deck. I'm playing Recall," like you're you're ignoring other options, and there are Recall decks, right? That's again, it's one of the reasons why this card would be considered a pillar. There are ways where you start at Recall and then you think about what you want to do. Whereas like Time Walk, you know, it's you could start with Recall with like my first build, I'm on Recall, and then you're like, "Wait a minute, I'm really proactive," mm. or like. I, uh, I'm often winning the board with this deck. Maybe I could do a little bit more. Maybe I have a better understanding of controlling the pace of the game through what's in play or what I could threaten to put in play as opposed to just reacting to everything. That's when Time Walk comes in. That's when you're able to, Time Walk, I mean, Recall has definitely kills people, again, the multiple recalls, but like, when you set up time walks in certain time walk decks, you are killing people. Yeah, and the the game doesn't look remotely close. No. And to go back to recall versus time walk, a lot of the times when I'm building blue decks, I'm never considering is this a recall deck or a time walk deck. I'm considering is this a recall deck or a flatter points, and then separately, when I'm building a deck that could include time walk, is this time walk versus flatter points? Very rarely are they considered for the same deck, in my opinion. You feel like we've covered this is a good opening subject? Like this was this was the warmer, this was the intro, giving people the idea uh, of just time walk versus recall is a pretty like this we came could out, be we a came whole out episode itself. Right? Uh, uh, yeah. And now we're talking about Moxin. Uh, we are Boo -hoo. Yeah, boo -hoo. Yeah. So let's switch the subject then. Let's talk about fast mana. Because mm. that's another one of the big pillars of the format. When we looked at what was recently pointed, a lot of it had to be fast mana, because mm -hmm. it's degenerate can get ahead. So uh, this used to be a more relevant comparison when Solring was three points and Moxon were three points. But if you are an aggressive deck or if you are a deck that's trying to accelerate quicker, should you be playing Moxon or Solring? Uh, again, assuming that budget is not a consideration, assuming you have access to the cards and 
all things being equal, why would you play one? Uh, let's start with Alex this time. You've played aggressive decks. In yeah. Black Mold, are you a Moxon deck or uh, a Solring deck? Absolutely Moxon, but and there's, why? there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, I want colored mana in a hurry. Um, and I mean, like, it's really that simple because, like, I have to hit black or green because I have a lot of starter um, single pips and quite a few um, double pips in my first, like, in my two slot. Um, and I can handle that because I'm a two-color deck. But in terms of the acceleration, like, I actually think um, Solvering would be not very good. Uh, Mana Crypt would not be very good. Um, hmm. There's a handful of creatures that I could accelerate into really quickly, but... In some ways, they're more the utility creatures. Some of them are the ones that have haste. And I think, like, the simple matter of, like, colored versus colorless, um, I definitely want something that I'm going to be able to cast my spells with. So, I mean, like, that's a pretty surface-level example. There's um, also a, po a points discrepancy between them now. Yeah, right. that's that's got to be tough for, for a conversation. That's for a little different. Mm, but for I a think long it, time, they were, they were equal. Yeah. So. Even so, I would still be making the same call. I, I, yeah. I think the call for this, too, and maybe this is just me. I mean, I love the medium decks, don't get me wrong, hmm. but they've kind of ruined every other creature-based strategy for me where it just seems so incredibly boring, like unless you're a creature combo deck. So skip one drop, skip two drops, go three to five? Well, is it's, it's just like now, especially with this discrepancy in the points levels, the instead of being like, I, am I playing this style of deck or this style of deck? Like, should I play Naya aggro or red green or medium red or whatever? I kind of start off with like, do I, what do I feel will be best to capitalize on what any given metagame or, or a tournament may be? Do I think that I would be better off going for these haymakers off of the fast mana, the fast soul mana? Or am I better off having these like really pip dense aggressive decks? Hmm. Um, that Moxon give me, and I get a wider spread with the Moxon. And you you kind of have this uh, push and pull where, like, a lot of Moxon decks, I mean, some of the best Mox decks in the format don't, like, if the, you have the Mox, you're like, ugh, but, like, <laughs> still still it doesn't matter. Like, if a, if a burn deck doesn't have the Mox Ruby, you're still probably pretty scared no matter what. Right? Yeah. It's just like, all right, instead of playing Goblin Guide and Fire Drinker Seder, I just played this Goblin Guide and I just still killed you on turn four, or turn yeah. three. Moxes are a weird one in aggro decks because they represent like a short, very intense sprint. And I feel that it its quality drops off precipitously the longer the game goes on to the point where they become like virtually worthless. Um, it in depends the on the, the aggro deck, but. It, I mean, like, I'm talking about my experience. It's like, yeah. if I, it's like turn, you know, seven or, you know, 12 or something. You're like, I want gas. It's just like, this is basically a land. That's, this, that's, this is like almost worse than a land. That's one of the things the medium style decks give you better is they're, they're aggressive, proactive decks. But since, mm -hmm. because they're like deck nature is built around having fast mana, their curves go higher and mm. they have like more scary things at the sinks? top end so you usually will have a couple of mana sinks it depends on the deck i know medium green has more mana sinks than red mm. um and but like if you're on the the medium white decks or blue decks can play a lot of equipment as well and mm. have these like uh activated abilities that are well, like very hateful 
Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, it's but one one last thing on on the on the on the Mox decks too is that the more I've been playing with Moxen recently, um, is the more I'm really enjoying Moxen outside of Mox decks, outside of just like aggro or mid range decks, like. Well, I remember people used to play Mox and Control. You could do like you could do Island Mox Sapphire Pass, and now oh, you have Blue Blue up. You have Counterspell yeah. Magic up on yeah. turn one. That's that's what's in my Blue Eye Control deck. Damn. Again, Mox, again, Mox Sapphire spread. Your deck doesn't get worse by including a lot of these cards, <laughs> which is like if you're if you're a Control deck and you you're just like, oh, I can't believe I have this Mox in my hand. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, you're not. You don't feel bad about it, but like. Even yeah, control or like prisony decks mm. instead of having oh, that super God. fast mana. But well, that, a lot of that has to do also with like what we're using to lock people out. Yeah, now. prison decks with Mox and an Armageddon suddenly you have a thing. Aggro decks used to play uh, what's the two mana Lancet on tap artifact. Orb. You used to play Orb. Winter Orb. Still, Orb. Do. Still yeah. do, baby. Yeah, right. Like you Winter play your Mox and you're you're not being slowed down because it's not symmetrical anymore. Serge, you know what? Wildfire doesn't blow up. You're Moxin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, going back to the Moxen versus Solring account, your fast deck, uh, how big of an effect does the number of colors your deck is playing change what's happening here? Like, if you're if you're a one-color deck or a two-color deck, when do you splash an off-color Mox versus when do you play Solring? How often do you hear someone saying they're playing medium Naya without, <laughs> you know, making a bit of a joke about it? It's like, once you start adding too many colors, the effectiveness of your soul mana really drops off. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think one of the big things about the medium decks is that they're never sacrificed. They're basically hardly ever sacrificing card quality because their their mana is just like basically a given. Mm-hmm. Whereas even as soon as you add a second color and you start playing double pips of both colors because you're playing a medium style deck, you just want the highest card quality. You basically have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're already losing a bunch of games to to variants because you're not going to hit double pip on time with the soul mana every time so off color moxen is something that you don't find too much but when it does pop up Mm. i think the question is maybe a bit more interesting now just like with the shift of the ring and the crypt and how um a lot of the off off color moxen this could also be your like your third supporting color that you maybe have like less than 10 cards of um is you don't there's not a lot of one point tools that some of these decks like i'm thinking of goblins goblins is the right. big one i was gonna I'm say goblins too because yeah. goblins mono red playing mox emerald specifically to cast tattermunge yeah 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 and right and go, right right but and you're like that's such a narrow case and they're I, like well whatever i'll take the, the acceleration regardless I, th- I think goblins is black red now but there's a lot of really good black. Yeah, there's goblins. a lot yeah. of really good black yeah. <laughs> I've I've been very much enjoying just munitions expert, just over. That guy seems very again. good. Oh, it's not bad. So and let's. Got a dope hat. Mm-hmm. Oh, the he does have a dope hat. All right, munitions let's talk really expert. quick yeah. in fast mana about Black Lotus. <laughs> So not Are even, you okay? So not even necessarily Combo Lotus uh, if you're a mono red deck. So um, Ben Ulmer, Ben Janeering in the latest Highlander League has been playing Black Lotus in his point spread for Burn. Love it. Lo- Why? Lotus Mox is just... Because again, like the games where you have 
the Lotus, or sorry, the games where you have the mocks for most of these decks, they don't pop up as being too relevant. And the other ones, uh, the other like styles, mostly when I'm thinking of this, it's uh, mono red, mono green, I guess mono black and mono white, everything except blue, everything except mono blue, because I mean, you have recall and walk and white <laughs> blue available. But um, the, <laughs> the, the strength of like a Lotus Mox deck is that while some of the other non-red ones are a lot happier and more dangerous when they have their mocks because the green twos and green threes are really scary and like the white white creatures at two like to be it tomix thalia whatever the quicker you get them out the harder it makes it on your opponent right um and then you throw in a black lotus <laughs> and like having the black lotus draws is disgusting like dealing with like if they go like this happened to me recently <laughs> where someone went land duress and was like, oh, well, there goes my removal spell. Like, that's weird. Take. I wonder. And then they went Lotus uh, Rotting Regisaur. And that game did not <laughs> go on for much longer. And like, that's. Oh, the old, you know, the old 7-6 on turn one. Wow. That's kind of an extreme. But if you replace that 7-6 for like any combination of a two plus a one or any other three, that's so far ahead. Playing Nelly years ago in Highlander, he went Mountain, Black Lotus, Blood Moon. Mm. Pass. I know what Black Lotus in these kind of like non-combo decks is like. It's like adding a critical to your arsenal. <laughs> It's just like, like ah, there's a 20. small chance that I might just like you know, <laughs> the, you, you see the like the your variance curve, and then one end is just tweaked way up. There is a game against Noel Robin, noted noted green oh, yeah, mage. This, this one. He was playing Jund. No, he was playing some wild wildfire deck. It was weird. It was unknown like, and ironically, I was playing mono green Stompy with Lotus Mox, which is a very null deck, and. It was game two, and I had one game one, and he was on the play. He played a tap land. I went land, mox, lotus, hmm. play steel leaf champion, which is a 5-4 that mostly can't be blocked. And then I also played sylvan library. You're like, cool. And then I blind paid eight life. Fair, fair black lotus. I mean, high rolling your opponents is never a bad thing to try and do. Hmm. I've made my entire Highlander career <laughs> off of trying to do it. Hey, what's up, Beach? So if Lotus is like this powerful of a card, what is it pointed at? Seven. Seven. Oh wow. Yeah, same as Ancestral. This is this is the, like the whole theme of the idea. If you're playing one big haymaker, if you're investing a significant chunk of your deck into points, but you have the flexibility, you're a burn deck. Where do your points go, right? Uh, do you play strip mine? Do you try and play a moxin for explosive starts? Can you justify a black lotus? But well, but you're not. Importantly, you're not saying like if I sleeve up red and like someone's like, what are you playing? I'm like, well, I'm on a lotus deck. Like that doesn't happen. Right, right, you're right. You're not right, a yeah, lotus. I'm not, lotus on, I'm not deck. on lotus red. <laughs> you're, you're not a lotus deck. You're just someone that might go like, hey, hey, hey turn one on crop crasher. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to sort of the last big topic in this, in the format, when we talk about pointing things, tutors. Mm -hmm. uh, tutors are one of the, other than uh, than fast mana, is probably the biggest pointing philosophy behind things. What is something too degenerate? Are combo decks too consistent? Do fair decks get to free roll certain tutors or not? 
Uh, let's start with Demonic Tutor, which also recently has been upped from three points to four points. When do you want to put dem uh, combo deck aside? If you're if you're a fair deck, or maybe if you are a combo deck, and you want you want to figure out what your points are, why why play Demonic Tutor? Why not play Demonic Tutor? I mean, I love Demonic Tutor and Toolkit decks. I think it's crazy good in those kind of decks. Just like uh, the sort of rock or like Abzan style list where it's just like, what's the best thing I could possibly get right now? And I mean, a lot of the time it's going to be, you know, a creature, but occasionally it will be like a non-creature, like a land. So, I mean, it's weird. Sometimes you just find swamp. I've definitely demonic tutored for a land before, <laughs> but that that's a very like Allison the Rock style point spread, right? You're like, what are your points? Mox, Sol Ring, Demonic Tutor. You know, a little bit of fast. Get not it anymore. Not but, anymore. No, but that's the thing. It's changed. It's absolutely yeah. changed. But that was that was a legitimate thing at the time. You're like, I'm playing a mid-range deck. I'm playing a toolkit deck. There might be a recurring nightmare. There might be some planeswalkers. Let's see how it figured out. So in the case of the rock, where that philosophy has changed, why aren't you playing Demonic Tutor anymore? Why am I not? You, yeah. you still likely are. Right? Oh. Yeah. In, it, in those style decks, the reason it's so powerful in those style decks is because it can give you an access to interact with your opponent in matchups where you would otherwise just get hosed. Like against <gasps> Academy decks, it gives you an out to like cast a mana accelerant plus demonic tutor on turn two or three. Yeah. And then turn four, try to cast Gaze of Granite against your Academy opponent. Unbelievable. Or I mean, go get a targeted discard spell against another combo opponent. Yeah, that one or, card you wish you had in that matchup, this will find. Or go get Scavenging Use. And the reason is like the rock doesn't play very many interactive spells against the the combo decks, the the like more linear decks, but the ones they do play are often game winning. So the having a card that goes get goes and gets a game winning card is is very valuable to have in the deck. And the fast mana in the deck fast mana in green decks isn't nearly as valuable as it is in in other colors. Mm. We're also getting more and more cards that seem like that Plague Engineers are the big one that comes to mind, <laughs> where there are these cards that are based off of certain effects or certain cards from Ma Magic's history that you wouldn't necessarily include, like, Engineered Plague in your deck, even if you had tutors. And I say that knowing that people have included Engineered Plague oh, totally. in their decks. Counselors and perhaps <laughs> including the most experienced Highlander player Format time. progenitors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you know. And so, Sometimes like, you just gotta kill goblins, okay? Yeah, hey, and, like, you name Elf, you name Goblin, it's whatever. It's, it's pretty good. Um, but now we have Plague Engineer, where you don't feel bad about including this kind of card in your deck. This card's messed no up. No matter what. Um, but having it as that silver bullet in certain matches is phenomenal. And it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a card like this. Like again, Scavenging Ooze, all these cards that have application across a variety of archetypes, but then they really sell it against very specific yeah. matchups or board states too. I mean, we've mentioned a lot of creatures and hate bears here and Demonic Tutor will find any of them. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, it's technically worse than Eladamri's Call, but it's really easy to cast. And it'll find anything else. Um, but but yeah. the thing, the reason Demonic Tutor's now four points in Eldamry's Call is zero is because, like, there are times when creatures are too slow and you need a discard spell. There are times when yeah. you need your third land to cast your Liliana on time. 
you need you yeah, need to find the Liliana to cast it on time. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just so powerful. It like, says find any card. It. It's a it's a neat card in the sense that because it's so flexible, like the you people always kind of think about the worst case scenario of it as well, where like pairing it with Black Lotus, bit too good, uh, <laughs> kind of homogenizes what combo is in the format, um, which is again one of the reasons why we saw that increase. But like even even the Lotus decks aside, there are a large number of black based combo decks often centering around spells and packages like that like reanimator omnitel doomsday kind of decks where they often start at demonic tutor and to a lesser extent adding vamp or mystical tutor um on top and it's not so it's not always just the the bada bing bada boom combination and certainly after the points increase it will not be that but it's it really holds up the combo decks of like, well, I know there are cards in my deck I really want to find because it's the only way I'm killing my opponent, so I better try and find them. So I have I have a question to sort of start to tie this all together. Mm-hmm. When you're making a deck, what's more important, fast mana or tutors? Because it's been the format has been sculpted in such a way now that you have to make that choice. Depends entirely on the deck. There's there's different answers for different decks. Like in, in The Rock, I think I would play a Demonic Tutor before I played any piece of fast mana. Mm-hmm. But in medium black, I would certainly play fast mana before I played Demonic Tutor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you were saying that like um, fast mana isn't quite as good in green. Like, are there any green decks that you would be playing the fast mana? Like Huff used to play... Um, Lotus. Ho- Hoof can't. Well, okay, it played Lotus when we got to free roll, like natural order. Yeah. And, Jeez. Yeah, that first Hoof tournament was just absolutely disgusting. Cradle to the grave, we used to call it. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, it me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> me. <laughs> um, but Better like. Then the name Trent gave it. What did Trent call it? I don't even remember. If you say it, it'll be enshrined forever, so maybe don't? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes, the old days and that dumb name. Moving on. <laughs> Great. Um, green, green decks don't mind having fast mana. It's not to, They're not entirely excluded from it, mm-hmm. but they green already packs its own tools. It's so ingrained in its color identity sort of to catapult it, it forward. But... I mean, it's maybe not your first choice as far as well. It's, points it's just like if I'm playing like a Bant Blade deck or like a, a Abzan Blade or a, a Naya Blade or a, a Blade Blade deck. Mox, 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 Mox. Workshop yeah. Blade. Trips, Mox, Stoneforge, Trips, Mox, True Name, whatever it may be. Like, or yeah, I'll have. Mox, Stoneforge, True Name, Jit. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have the green acceleration because you get good green threes and twos. You get uh, that fast mana because playing your three drop on turn two. And as opposed to turn three, so huge. Um, and then, like, sure, you might double up on having Moxon or whatnot, like on Mox plus Dork, but, like, you have things to use that mana for. Mm-hmm. You have mana sinks in the form of equipment, in the form of tutors and cheap spells to find creatures and then play creatures. Um, you have <laughs> extra mana when your creatures die because that's a thing a lot of people are like, oh, right, this hand's great. But what happens if you get fork bolted? What well, happens you, if you get you punched lose. in the mouth? Like you don't got a plan. <laughs> you you need mouth. that plan. So let's 
if we were to wrap it up, I mean, it's hard. It's just like, what points should my deck play? The right ones. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's very Machiavellian, right? It's like, if your deck wins, you made the right decision. If your deck loses, you made the wrong decision. Alex. Should you design your deck and then select points or vice versa? Once again, it depends on the deck. Just throwing there, you yeah. all these like real difficult there questions. Are, there are certain decks where the points are like very core to the deck. Like we talked around build around points. Mm. You're like, am I making points an academy deck? Earlier. Well, yeah. yeah. And Egg. then like there's a certain subset of the points list that you are going to be using and a certain subset that you are not. Does that also have to do with what kind of cards you can afford? Like well, physically uh, yeah, afford? Of, of course, but we're we're talking in terms of like what the optimal version of it, yeah. a deck looks like. And, like. and a lot of these cards, even if you extend it to like Magic Online or whatever, they are dirt cheap. Black yeah. Lotus is like three tickets or five tickets or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, <sighs> but uh, they're like certain decks, you will never see them without certain points. And that's fine, right? You're allowed to, there are these decks exist because of some of these grotesque cards from the history of magic mm -hmm. but egg like eggs always starts off with academy and lotus and now crop rotation hmm. so you're hard locked into nine points um but so like for for that you would start at what's that. your last point in eggs right now is it spell seeker uh it's transmute artifact but it's probably just going to become mana vault okay yeah um but like there are other academy decks where sure they started academy, but like I know Paradox. I've been like there are so many different ways that you can build it now, including sure. cards that have just been increased in points. And you're like, oh, soaring, still good. Uh -huh. I like I do like the paradox on that, which is hmm. sometimes we we scold people when we're like, don't just talk about your deck by the points, and then sometimes we're like. Talk about your deck by the points. It's it's really weird. It I and I, I don't know without that ingrained format knowledge that we're very biased of, because we've all been playing this for a long time. I mean, we can we can tell the difference of when that is appropriate and when that's not. So it's like don't be tied down by the points you play un, unless you should be. Um yeah. something <laughs> I wanted to mention that I think we've talked about it before, but it seems kind of relevant in this discussion. Do you need to play all ten points? Nope. No. I remember yeah, the Goblin King used to cr crush everybody with zero points goblins. Mm -hmm. Depends on the meta, depends but on the deck. Even beyond like budgetary reasons, there are decks where I believe it's optimal to not play all ten points. Yeah. Like budgetary card availability reasons aside. Yes, like if you had like, limitless access to everything, the best build of your deck might be like seven bo points. Both Ben and I ha own every single pointed card and have played decks that are not 10 points on purpose. You, you don't need that mind twist. Sometime in lands. So, like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, if you're playing a green-red version of lands, you can be you can be stuck on some points. I mean, now with crop rotation going up, it gets closer, but if you're not playing a blue version of lands, you're like, maybe I play Moxon, maybe the, I don't. The three Class biggest, the three biggest nope. offenders are probably um, uh, Mind Twist, Dig Through Time, and Treasure Cruise. Like, often Dig is less, like, you're, again, you'll probably be able to cast Dig, but when yeah. you play both of them, like, you will get these card, uh, you'll get these draws where you're just stuck with these cards and you're kind of <laughs> like, oh, but you're a pointed card. I should be playing you, I guess. Uh -huh. Three mana him to Torek on you. And it's like, all right, I'll kill you instead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any closing remarks on this before we move on to our ending segment? Uh, I think I think we had a pretty good, I thought we put we a nice hat on it there. a point to make? 
I, I think we got there, which is... Uh, Can we scrap this entire episode? <laughs> <after> that? <laughs> My God. All right. Well, uh, let's move then to our closing subject. Powerful magic. <laughs> Beach was his finger not close to the button that time, but we got there. He was, uh, he was e looking for black lotuses on eBay. That's fair. See him and uh, up today, we have Wheeler. Wheeler, tell us a tale of magic. All right. So this one is, um, it involves Goblin Charbelcher. Oh, uh, one of the best decks in the format, RIP. Uh, we've lost the combination <laughs> of DT Lotus. We have to do something else, folks. Um, it's a different way of uh, belching people out. And so the thing about Belcher is, it Wait, initially did, did you say one of the best decks in the format? Uh, one of the uh, yes, certainly the top tier deck, just best deck let, in the just format. Just let him let him live um, in his own world. It's okay. So, anyways, I was talking to Abe Lincoln, and no, um, I just wanted to make him double down. So, like the thi the th <laughs> the thing about Belcher is it was also just like a an, um, an exhibition in how busted Lotus plus DT plus the Sorensen Mulligan was, and it kind of carried over and was like, okay, like, this you can kill people with only eight lands in your deck. Yeah, you that can. Ain't right. And you could still. I went up back to nine though. I think it's the right call. Um, but you like. Even you could just flooding profusely. Yeah, I, well, hey, that's just comes with playing a lands deck and being the key lands pilot of the format. It's not um, a lands deck if there's only nine lands. I play so many cards that say search for a land in that deck more than your average lands deck. You got lay of the land, attune with nature, traverse the Ulvenwald. Let me let me get to this. Let me get to this. So a lot of the time, if you feel back up against the wall and you can't stunt on them, you're just going to tendrils them. You're just going to count to. 10 copies of drills and tendrils of agony, agony them with a storm kill because you have all the same components of a storm deck. But when you feel like you're in a spot where there's no way you can lose, then you can get a little cheeky. And I was in one of these spots. Uh -huh. There's no way that I can lose. I have a Lich's Mirror in play. For those not familiar, it's a five mana artifact that says if you would lose the game, instead shuffle your hand, graveyard, and all permanents you own into your library, draw seven cards, and then your life total becomes 20. And I had a channel active, which oh, this is a wham-bam thank you man combo of uh, it's a green green sorcery that says until end of turn, you can pay one life and for each one life you're paying, you add a colorless. So notably, when you Lich's Mirror, your channel doesn't go away. And so, so you get a fresh seven, yep. And you get and a whole bunch of mana. And 20 life. Yeah. And I have so much. It's like a draw seven and add 20 uh, mana, gain 20 life. It's great. So I have this Lich's Mirror going. I've got a Goblin Charbelcher in play. And I, I stack it in a way, I believe, so that I uh, cast Demonic Tutor, hold priority, belch them, hold priority, kill myself with channel so that everything resets. So I have this two to resolving, they're going to get belched into oblivion, and my mirror goes off. So I get a fresh seven, and lo and behold, I get another tutor. Um, and I already have a DT going off, right? So it's still on the stack. So then I belch them. But here's the thing, my opponent's at a, a very comfortable life total of like 13. Uh, so my first belch hits them for about three. So they go to 10, and I'm like, okay, well this sucks. But I resolved the tutor that was on the stack, find Belcher again, play my Belcher, and of course, I Belch them. And then my Belcher hits them for two. And so I use this other tutor that I have uh, to find Lich's Mirror again. And I pay through, and I'm out of colored mana at this point. And so I get another mirror going. And luckiest guy I can be, I find a Belcher in my hand. So I'm like, okay, easy. I play my Belcher, and I Belch them. You know what the first card I reveal is? I believe it was a Stomping Ground. So that's uh, doing zero damage. 
Uh, for those not familiar with Belcher, by the way, oh, it's an it, artifact. But it's doubled because it's oh, a it's, mountain. Oh, it doubles, yeah. It's an artifact that you reveal cards on the top of your deck until you hit a land, deal that much damage to any target, uh, and if it's a mountain, the damage is doubled. So, in a deck with uh, eight lands at the time, I belched three times and did less than seven damage to my opponent. And then I lost. The end. <laughs> Justice. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> All Best right. deck in the format. That was, All right, that was beautiful. Well, that's going to be it for our episode today. Thank you very much. Again, a reminder about the new YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash LRRMTG. We want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by you with your support at the Patreon over at patreon.com slash loading ready run. Thank you very much to listening for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs>